Welcome to Get Better at Garbage with your host, Colin Bell, COO of Recycle Smart, Canada's fastest growing recycling technology company. We talk tech, innovation, and inside secrets with top industry experts every week. You'll find exclusive content, interviews, and commentary from the leaders in the North American recycling industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Get Better with Garbage. Today, I've got a really interesting guest on talking about a hot topic that uh, I think a lot of us have heard a lot about in recent times, which is textile recycling. So talking about where do your clothes go after you drop them into that donation bin and what happens to them. So please let me uh, welcome to the show Ari DeMont. He is the founder of Here and There, one of Canada's fastest growing textile recycling companies. Ari, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Um, first things first, let's talk a little bit about the, the start of here and there. How did you guys get started? I'm always interested to hear from entrepreneurs. You know, what was that eureka moment when you knew that your dream was to pick up textiles? <laughs> so it started way back in 2012. And our story is actually interesting. It came from the vantage point of a fundraiser. Um, I was working for a not-for-profit at the time, and it seemed that going after donors was becoming increasingly more difficult. And so we came together and strategized, and we saw that there were other um, opportunities in um, textile recycling that other major um, charities were taking advantage of. And I said to myself, well, why can't any charity do this? What's, what's the barrier to entry? And from there, that's the onset of how here and there became a, a, a fundraiser on behalf of charities. And what we did is we said to ourselves that a small charity cannot create the infrastructure that these ma major charities have to create a textile recycling program. But what we could do is we could offer infrastructure and lend our services out to multiple charities and work on their behalf. And so that's how we initially got started, was to be able to fundraise on behalf of charities. From there, it grew to uh, this whole dynamic of textile recycling and diverting hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds uh, from uh, uh, the landfills, which is now our main mission. And a byproduct of that, of course, is the charities who benefit from our services. And that's how we got started. It was all to cool. raise money for charities. So that, that was kind of the idea is that, you know, it's a different way to raise money than, say, the traditional methods. And now Correct. you provide that, that platform for charities to say, if you'd like to get into textile recycling, we, we have a turnkey program and we know Ex what we're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. And so, uh, who who is here and there today? Can you just give us a bit of an idea of the operation? You know, what here the, and there. The size of the operation. So here and there today. I mean, before uh, COVID. So we're talking February. <laughs> right. Pre pre COVID. Pre COVID. Although we still have offices in Montreal and Toronto, um, we diverted in February alone over six hundred fifty thousand pounds of textile, what would be considered waste. Um, used clothing uh, from landfills. Um, we are exporters of the product as well as we provide thrift shops uh, locally, our goods. And we are a major fundraiser for four organizations within Canada and provide hundreds of thousands of dollars a year towards their um, interests and their charities. So 
we're always growing. We're always looking for new strategic partners. Um, it's an exciting time for us. We feel that there's, it's coming to the limelight, the idea of textile recycling and the importance of it and diverting from landfill. So we feel we're at the, we're at the right moment right now to see a, a huge, huge increase in business. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's been a lot of media coverage uh, recently about textile waste, especially in relation to fast fashion and brands such as yeah. H&M. So has the textile market changed? I mean, you've been at this for a while now. Have you seen like a difference in the quality of the clothing or the quantity of the clothing coming through uh, over the last you know, four or five years? Sure. Uh, we're definitely seeing an increase in the amount of uh, donated goods. And there's a reason for that. I mean, a lot of us shop at H&M, Zara, Gap, et cetera. And you're seeing that, you know, the T-shirt I'm wearing right now, an H&M shirt, is uh, $4.50 right now. And wow. so, yeah. And so you get multiple <laughs> washes. It's dirt cheap and you get multiple washes out of it. And then it's good for the donation bin. It's cheaper nowadays to get new clothing it is than it is to dry clean some of your clothing. So with that, as the as that continues, as as fast fashion continues, we're just seeing an influx of clothing, and the need to get rid of it is is very important to divert it from the landfills. Eighty five percent of all clothing ends up in the landfills, and it's all recyclable. Um, so we're definitely seeing a tremendous growth in the industry, and we also are working. You know, I think the future is to work with. Uh, manufacturers at the point of manufacturing to see how they could use more sustainable products because a lot of the plastics that are in the are that are actually in the clothing are not recyclable so we have to find a reuse or repurpose for them so it's tricky times but we're definitely seeing growth cool and so just explain to me like i've i've dropped my clothes off in a donation bin i'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well it's kind of this magic box you put the stuff in disappears but what actually happens after the clothing goes into the donation bin, just kind of high level, what's the process? Obviously, I'm assuming a truck comes along yeah, so, uh, and picks it up. So very simple. There's a, there's a multitude of operators and collectors. All, I'd say 99% of the clothing donation bins that are on the streets um, that one would donate to are all affiliated with, a at the end of the day, a private entity that is either reselling the clothes in clothing stores, such as Goodwill, Salvation Army, Value Village. And what happens to that is a, the charity will, will benefit from the proceeds of that sale, and they'll use the money to fund their operation. So what it happens is we go out, we collect. In our case, we actually, for the most part, about 75% of it is exported. Uh, to developing countries where it's uh, sold in markets uh, across the developing world. Um, 25% is sold at local thrift shops. Um, and in that case, there's a revenue sharing model with our charities who end up getting the, the monies to spend as they see fit for their organizations. Um, so everything is being put to use. Um, stuff that cannot be resold uh, because it's not, let's say, in amazing condition. You've had your shirt for 14 years. It's very sentimental, <laughs> has a few holes in it. Um, that stuff will be actually turned into recycling. So how does that work? That works in terms of ra the rag business. It'll be cut and made for the auto manufacturing business or even in terms of the mattress stuffing business. 
everything has a purpose. Everything has a, a real life to it. And that's important for us that we don't see any waste whatsoever from the stuff that's donated into the bins. Oh, so that's really cool. So stuff that can't be resold for reware then gets shredded up and used for things like you're saying automotive or different yeah. where they need stuffing. Cool. Yes. Uh, thing, anything that you could think of where there's a need for materials, it's put to use. Um, let's talk a little bit about Canada in the textile recycling uh, world. I, I recently heard, uh, I think, a documentary on CBC about textile recycling. They talked about how Mississauga, Ontario is is quite a hub for this. Is that true? Like there is quite a, a hub in Mississauga of sorters uh, yeah. and graders and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so Toronto's a, a major city in North America. It's a hub for most industries now. It's It's an amazing city that's grown over the last 30 years. And so an industry that's definitely been successful is the grading, um, the grading business. It also, because a lot of the industry is also, um, in, um, in, uh, North Africa, West Africa, we see a lot of, uh, the immigrant population who has family back in those countries investing in Toronto as part of a family business that goes from those countries back to Toronto. So it's, it's a perfect blend and Mississauga is an amazing hub for graders. That is true. Let's just talk a bit about graders. Like when you say mm -hmm. graders in the industry, where, where do they fit into the industry? So graders would be the individuals or the businesses that actually receive the stuff from the collector. So that it's brought to the donation bin by the, by the donor. It's then collected by the collectors. Then there's the grader who then takes it and sorts it. And so like anything, every, every, every market has its uniqueness. Um, so there are some countries that only want summer products. There are some right. that only want winter products. All right. Can you explain how the bin placement process works? How do you get bin locations out on the streets in terms of being able to place bins and collect textiles? So bin placement has certainly been a, one of those obstacles, challenges um, that, we, that we find ourselves in daily. Um, different municipalities have different regulation on the bin process and bin placement. Um, in some areas, it's fairly easy. All you need to do is have the property owner's permission. You go out there, you place a bin, you explain to them the importance of it. Um, in other situations, in other municipalities, it requires a bin license. You have to have a bin operator's license in order to actually place a bin. So it all depends on what part of Canada you are in, what city you live in, what township, etc. Each have its own unique bylaws. Um, that being said, I am very anti all the bylaws for a plethora of reasons. First and foremost, I don't believe that there should be any obstacle to um, recycling textiles and keeping uh, materials unfit for the landfill out of them. I think the anything should be done by our government bodies to make sure that it's the easiest uh, thing to do, uh, which is to recycle the goods. So for that reason, I'm anti any sort of bylaws whatsoever. Um, but that being said, they exist and we work with them and we work with the cities that we operate under to ensure that we uh, are in compliance with them. And most of those bylaws is, is the concern mostly around illegal dumping around the textile bins. I think we've all, you know, driven by that textile bin and someone, you know, has dropped off a kiddie pool or some crazy item that they think that should be right. donated in that spot. Is that primarily what the bylaws are looking to address? 
I, to be honest, I, the bylaws, I'm sure to address that. I'm sure that there's, there are various reasons um, why, uh, why some people think that they exist. Um, I, don't, I, I don't believe it's the dumping unnecessarily because that could take place anywhere at any construction site that happens. It, that's just a failure of people to use the textile, uh, textile recycling bins in the proper manner. And the whole industry shouldn't be punished by the few who don't who choose to use them improperly. Um, that being said, a significant portion of our budget is used to um, is used towards uh, garbage maintenance. Unfortunately, where people do um, do put things outside the bins that aren't supposed to go there. But that being said, again, it's it's minuscule in comparison to the amount of good that those bins do for society at large, for the charities that are associated with them, and to again for the environment. So I get I, I believe all bylaws should should be there to promote and enhance recycling, not to put any constraints on it whatsoever. Yeah, it's a good point. If you if you're going to dump something, you're likely going to dump it anyway. And exactly. so the textile bin just becomes the spot, but that, that stuff's likely to end up, you know, behind the dumpster or in a ditch if, if that person is in that that mindset. So exactly. um next question just about uh some of the large players in the industry like Value Village and Goodwill. Um there's mm-hmm. some urban legends, I guess, about how they get their inventory and what happens to inventory that doesn't sell. I think you've already answered part of that you know about how all these different players collect and then resell to things like value village and goodwill but you know do those players really you know dominate the market and and how do having those big players in the market kind of affect the market dynamics so they're definitely a significant component of the market Um, value village does a phenomenal job of partnering with you know very reputable and excellent um charities um, I, I think a lot of people are surprised that Value Village is a for-profit industry. I don't see anything wrong with them being a for-profit industry. I think they do amazing things for the environment. I think they do great things for the community in terms of the amount of charity that they do give. Um, although some believe that they are giving it directly to charity when they're dropping it off there, that's not the case. Um, but again, through their affiliate charities, I mean, they give sub- sub- a substantial amount of money to kidneys, diabetes, Oasis, and all of those organizations do great work. Um, so the fact that they dominate this dominate a sector and keep millions and millions and millions of goods out of landfills and create an opportunity for there for there to be affordable clothing uh, for the community, I don't see anything wrong with that whatsoever. I think they do a phenomenal job in them. You know, if I could somehow in you know create a market share of the same idea, but for the export industry, I see that as a value add. I see keeping our landfills uh, free of textile waste as an in- integral. And I see Value Village doing that same job. Um, yes, they make a lot of money as a for-profit, but being a for-profit isn't an evil in and of itself. Right. No? Yeah, that's true. I think that um, maybe the, the charity side, sometimes people don't understand where the charities fit in, which is they're getting a portion of the proceeds, but obviously to make everything run, this does have to be a for-profit, you know, enterprise. And that's not and a bad that, thing, like you said. Correct. And when we talk about the, the, the millions that they give to charity, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's not, it's not pennies here. So in fact, it's, it's, it's a win-win-win. It's an amazing thing for the environment. It's an amazing thing for the charities that they're affiliated with. And it's great for their bottom line and uh, provides affordable clothing. So, you know, as a business model, I, 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 I admire it. 
And here and there support several charities. Can you explain a bit about your charitable work? They're, they're wonderfully run organizations, and we do our best to help them as much as we can through the clothing donation program. And it's provided a, a lot of funds for them over the years that we've been working with them and the hundreds of thousands of dollars to our, our charitable partners. And so we're, we're excited about that. And we continue to do the good work, and they continue to do the even more important work. You know, we're just the cog in the wheel for them. I think the great thing is obviously it's, you know, that recurring revenue where, you know, they don't have to worry about where's, where's their next grant coming from and it you know right. enables them to be more self-sustaining and not, you know, at the whim of the latest government program or whatever might happen. Um, exactly. Exactly. Private, private uh, partnerships are key for organizations. I think that's why we originally started when we originally started, we saw that and we knew that organizations could not create their own infrastructure to do this. I mean, the trucking costs, the, the, the warehousing costs, the sorting costs, it's too much for a small organization to handle. And so what you do is you, you create multiple uh, options for charities and you work with a bunch of them and you, you are their infrastructure and it's worked out phenomenally well. And I, everyone's a winner. Everyone's a winner. Can we talk just a little bit uh, as we wrap up here about technology? It's actually way back when uh, Ari and I actually met uh, doing some testing with very early bin sensors um, in in the, the Toronto area. It didn't go that well because the sensors didn't work that well. But maybe just want to talk a bit about technology in the textile industry. Like, is technology changing the industry at all, or is it still fairly consistent to what you were doing, you know, ten years ago? Well, in terms. I would say technology in a different way has shifted. I think we're seeing, we're seeing peer-to-peer and uh, sales in terms of used clothing. So we're seeing companies like ThreadUp, who is going to play a significant role in the used clothing space, um, whereby cl- online gen- Generation Z and the millennials, they understand the importance of reused clothing. And I think we're going to see a lot more peer-to-peer. So on that front, we're going to see technology being used as a source to uh, sell your goods directly to one another versus having the middlemen do that. Um, right. Okay. So kind of value so, village online almost. Exactly. Exactly. I think that it, that will be the future. I think that is almost the present. If you look at a company like ThreadUp, who's doing phenomenal things. Um, and again, with, I, I mean, in that space, Gen Z and, and the millennials, they are very, very big into appreciating the concept of used clothing and sustainability and not, and definitely not overconsumption on fast fashion. So we're seeing that trend right now. Used clothing was up, I, I think this, the, the latest report was that it was up 30% this year and it's definitely looking to be up by 50, 60% in two years time. So there's, there's, it's definitely an, upswit, an upshift in the market for used clothing. So uh, last but not least, I have to ask you the mandatory COVID-19 uh, question. How has it affected your business? I, I saw you were posting some pictures of one of your warehouses. Looks like you've got a lot of inventory right now. So uh, is that kind of the what's happening in the market? Is it's getting tougher to move stuff or, or what has been the effect? Right. Because uh, our markets are overseas, uh, we're, it's definitely shut down at this point. At this point, uh, we are collecting goods at an ad need basis um for a while there um the bins were completely shut down we weren't able to pick up because we were considered a non-essential um obviously uh things are being lifted in certain provinces and therefore we're seeing goods come in but in terms of being able to ship out to market no that's not something that could be done at this point 
um, we're waiting for our ports to open up and to uh, get back to business as usual to some degree. We'll see where that lies. Um, but we're in a position that um, we're able to hold on to, to goods and ride out the market for a little while. So Right. So stock, stockpile right and, uh, and be patient at this point. And Ex- obviously, exactly. Exactly. You, you know, the market's out there. You just need to get the shipping, which I think a lot and of the, industries are struggling with that supply chain where the, the shipping is kind of the big piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And the idea is we've been around for long enough that it, for us, it's we could weather the storm and we're blessed that we're able to do that. So last question, if you had to choose, would it be jeans or sweatpants? Are people wearing pants post-COVID? <laughs> is that a thing, Colin? You're getting me here. I think before I was jeans, but now I just forget about them. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I think Zoom calls have led to the uh, dress shirt up top, no pants on the bottom. Yeah, you you got it. You got interesting it. Interesting stat, actually, to see a pant sales drop during COVID. <laughs> I think the clothing industry definitely lost out on COVID. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Ari. Appreciate your insight into the fascinating industry of textile recycling. Thank and you for uh, having me. Thank you. It's been really interesting to learn about this somewhat hidden side of the recycling industry, but as you mentioned, huge uh, opportunity here for waste diversion and really a growing piece of the recycling industry. So thanks very much, Ari. Appreciate awesome. you being on the show today. And for everyone else out there listening in, we've got a really exciting guest coming up next week. So tune in to Get Better in Garbage, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Remember, you can recycle past episodes at www.recycle-smart.com slash podcast and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for joining us and remember to get better at garbage. Rock the recycling and save some serious dough.